Welcome to LilyPod episode 18, Respect and Fair Play. Jeff and Kathy Teichert bringing you another episode of LilyPod, which is a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. This is the third in our series of five relationship development topics, and today we're talking about respect and fair play. Right, Kathy. And, you know, I think a good place to start with this, when we talk about play, a lot of people refer to dating as a game. And we hear people who say they hate playing games and that deters them from dating. So when we talk about fair play, we need to talk about the games that some people hate and what is the role of those games in the dating world. And in my experience, Uh, as a mid-single and even as a young single, was that games typically refer to some kind of dishonesty. And I want to be careful how we say that because we're not always talking about someone with evil intent. But more generally, we're talking about people who are either first trying to find love without risk, and so they're going through all sorts of careful machinations to... uh, try to get the other person to to take the risk first. Or secondly, they may be trying to present themselves in a way that is most appealing and in the process hiding their faults or pretending to agree with their partners on things that they really don't agree on. So not saying they have evil intent, but playing games I think typically refers to this sort of deceptive behavior we have in dating. Um, What do you think, Kathy? Well, I think what you're referring to is emotional IQ in a lot of ways is that, you know, we all need to be emotionally mature enough to be honest with ourselves and with other people. And it's not easy in the realm of relationships and uh, dating. So it's it's something I understand why it happens. Mm -hmm. But I think what people get tired of is having to guess at what other people are thinking and feeling because that we're not being honest with each other. Right. So what are some examples of these games? Uh, I've come up with a few of them. Let's have a party and invite 12 people over, including the one person I really want to get to know. So he or she won't suspect that I like her. Now, Kathy and I just finished watching the whole series, How I Met Your Mother. We've been working on it for a while. But there's this one episode where Ted Mosby throws five parties in a row, one each night, Uh, because the girl he liked or was interested in would say that she might stop by. And, and then, you know, the next night she'd call back and say, Oh, so sorry, I missed your party. But uh, you know, that's, that's, I I didn't mean to miss your party or whatever. Something came up and he would say, Oh, actually we had to postpone it and it's tonight. And then he would throw another party and he threw like five parties in a row doing that. All just for the chance that she might show up. Right. And uh, as silly as that sounds and as extreme as that example is, we actually know 
real life situations where people have done have done things like this, maybe not five parties, but thrown a party just to get one person to their place and have a chance to talk to them without them suspecting anything. Uh, another one, get your friend to talk to the person you like and mention you and try to read the response without directly asking any question. You know, don't, you don't want to give away that you might like that person, but you're going to get your friend to talk to them and then mention you in some clever way and try to read the tea leaves about how you respond to that. Well, and I think it's funny that, you know, all of these things made sense in junior high and high school, but we're still human and we still get nervous, like when we're adults and trying to do all of this. Right. And we don't like the rejection and it feels humiliating. And so oh, let's just have my friend go talk to him or her. All right, so uh, third, pretending you like to dance because the girl you are interested in likes dancing, or the guy, but usually that goes the other way. And that's a form of deception, not 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 terrible, not but malicious, but still not really being who you are and and letting them take you as you are. Right, and dancing is just one example. There could be a zillion things. Um, now, now, Kathy once dated someone who asked her if he if she liked bikes. And she said, sure, I do, you know, but in her mind, it was a question about, do I, uh, do I enjoy it occasionally? Enjoy it on occasion. And for him, it was his whole life. And so the answer wasn't deceptive intentionally, but as she got to know him more, she realized that they weren't really on the same page with that. And, and that can happen too. And, and I don't see that as being a deception, but it's a it's a good reason to keep getting to know someone and to be uh, as clear as you can about what your expectations are right or what you mean by what you say right another one being particularly soft and gentle with your kids when your partner is around but harsher at other times you can see where there would be a temptation to put on a really good show um being really patient, but then when when your partner is not around, being someone different. Uh, flirting with plausible deniability to try to get your partner to take the risk of expressing interest first. And so that's like flirting and saying things that could be taken as I'm really interested in you, but also could be understood to mean oh, I think you're cool to hang around with, or I was kidding, or... Yeah, I was just... Oh, I, I didn't mean it that way. Right. <laughs> right. Probably the most nefarious one that I came up with, and there are many, many more we could come up with, but this gives you a general flavor. The most nefarious one that I've come up with on this list is not being exclusive when you know your partner believes you are. And so, you know, that would be a situation where maybe it hasn't been discussed, but, but your partner says things indicating that that's an assumption they're making. Now, and although we think it should be not assumed unless there's a, had it been a discussion, but if you know there has been an assumption made and it's not the right one, then you want to make sure you're upfront about your intentions. Right. I don't know if, how many of you out there have seen the movie, How I Met Your Mother, but there's this scene where... The movie or show? The movie. Oh, we haven't um, seen the movie yet. 
How I Met Your No, not How I Met Your Mother. I'm sorry. The movie <laughs> there, about a, movie. a boy. About a boy. Okay, different. With different. Show. Yeah, with Hugh Grant and Rachel Wise, and and the Hugh Grant character, his name is Will in the movie, but he he um, says at some point in a very early conversation with a woman he's dating, I know a 12 year old that would kill you for saying that, and she assumes that he has a son. And he doesn't correct the assumption, even the more obvious it becomes that she believes that this young man, this 12 year old, that he does have a special relationship with, but is not his son. Well, he goes to these elaborate lengths, even planning a, you know, a date where they both bring their quote unquote sons to meet each other and so on. And uh, this kid, Marcus has to play along, but of course, he was pretty purposely deceptive about yes. this. <laughs> when he finally decides to disabuse her of her wrong assumption, of course, he's allowed this to go on a long time and she's pretty mad. And, and that's one of the dangers of, of these tactics is that they start to create a relationship on false pretenses. That, you know, it, it may work in the beginning to say, oh yeah, I, I have a son or, or even to let someone believe that if you know that's very important to them, but then not really, uh, you know, be willing to, to own the truth when you have a chance to clarify. Yeah, and I was just thinking as far as fair play, then obviously it's showing up authentically in relationships, doing the opposite of those things we just talked about, right? Right. And uh, as far as fair play goes, I, I was just thinking about the word play and how even as adults, we deal with all the, that anxiety about, you know, relationships and, and having to deal with rejection and things like that. Um, <clears throat> but as adults, we also like to play like for real. Right. And how much more fun is it when you just show up and be who you are? Right. And, you know, I, I know I've had a lot of good dates where early on in a day, in the date, it might've been a first or a second date, but I, something came up and I knew we weren't going to be compatible and we weren't going to, that that was going to be our last date. And on a number of those occasions, we still had a great evening together and enjoyed getting to know each other more, even though, you know, it wasn't, uh, at least I knew. And oftentimes we both knew that it wasn't going to be a match. And, and so I, I think it's it's important to have that that so honesty. Even that was probably more enjoyable than being on a date trying to be someone else or even right. being introduced to someone who isn't who being who they are. And I think one of the hardest of these for issues for women, but and some men too, but particularly women, uh, and I've encountered this a lot in the dating world is they really don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. And so they will um, go to elaborate lengths not to tell the truth. Uh, not, not that they want to lie, but, but, you know, I can tell you as a guy, I would rather have a woman tell me straight out if I asked her out, look, I think you're a good guy, but I, I don't think we're a match and I, I should move on or I, you know, there's really someone else I'm interested in right now. I would rather have a woman do that than go out with me a, a time or two just to humor me or 
have her come up with five or six excuses why she can't. Right. I um, hated hurting people. And so I was in that camp of, I really don't want to hurt someone, but I also believe that it is respectful to let people know when there's going to be a change in the relationship. So on the other end, if you've been dating someone for a while and you know it, you need to end or transition that to friendship or, you know, or even just end it all together, um, it, there, there needs to be a conversation had. And I don't believe in ghosting. I understand right. why people do it because they don't want to deal with the confrontation, but that is part of dating. And I think that's part of respect. Totally agree. And, you know, I, I will say, I think sometimes Kathy tried to make subtle hints, like when she broke up with me, I think for about a month before I could tell that her heart wasn't really in it anymore. And I don't have a good poker face. I'm, I mean, I generally wear my emotions on my sleeves. So that's where I, it was hard for me to, I guess, when I was getting up the courage, I, I think it probably was obvious usually. Yeah, and I remember her even saying a couple of things. But when you really like someone, your power to be in denial is really acute. So, um, you know, I tried to spin it some other way in my mind. So, uh, in other words, sometimes you have to be really brutally honest before the person gets the message. And by brutal, I don't mean yeah, mean. I mean very straightforward. Straightforward and clear but definitely never mean. There's no reason to be mean. I mean, being a mid-single is hard enough. We don't need to be mean to each other ever. Right. And that's the next point. Keep in mind the person you might be leading on is a mid-single who has likely already had enough heartbreak to last a lifetime. That doesn't mean that they aren't still risking it and that you can't end a relationship that you don't feel is working for you. You certainly can. But how you handle relationships can either help that person to feel more hopeful or to lose more hope. And I want to emphasize that doesn't mean constantly saying or clarifying, I don't want to lead you on. And <laughs> Kathy actually used to do that to me when we were dating the first time around. Um, oh, I wanted to be very clear that I was still dating other people, right? <laughs> anytime we would kiss, she would say afterwards, now, I, I don't want you to assume that that means we're serious. <laughs> and <laughs> at one point, I finally said, look, uh, if I need any clarification on whether we're serious, I'll ask you, but I'm not assuming that from your kisses. And it kind of rains on my parade when you say that right <laughs> after we've kissed. Um, so I was trying to be respectfully clear. She was going overboard, but on the correct idea that she didn't want to lead someone on if she wasn't quite there yet. And, and I think I do respect that, that, and I don't think you need to make assumptions or presume that your partner is in love with you and that you need to keep clarifying that you're not there yet, if it is not coming up in conversation. But in my experience, opportunities will present themselves from time to time to let your partner know where you are and be as kind as you can, but be honest with him or her. Uh, I think we all want the truth, even if it hurts a little bit. Uh, and uh, as I can tell you, Kat and, Kathy and I did not always do this right with each other or with other partners. But I, I know that that's an important balance to strike, and it's a little bit of walking a tightrope. Uh, but I, I think it's really important in our own hearts and minds that we want to be kind 
and we don't want to break someone's heart uh, any more than necessary to take the proper step in a relationship. And part of being kind is is being clear about who you are and being honest about your feelings and commitment levels. Very true. Yeah, and 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 that's really what we're what we're saying boils down to. And I've I've seen this go right, and I've seen it go wrong, and um, so I think that's. But that's an important thing to to realize is to have empathy. If you're going to break up with somebody, to to have empathy and understand that they might feel hurt, and to be as as kind as you can, and still straightforward. I want to talk, uh, kind of wind up talking a little bit about the story of Ruth and Boaz. And as we know, uh, Ruth is a is a very um, beautiful love story in the Bible. And Ruth, of course, is a young widow. Uh, we think around 40 years old, so a mid-single. Um, and she's lost her husband, and, uh, and as a result, she's lost uh, being within the clan uh, that her husband was a part of. And she, uh, she was from Moab, from Moab uh, so not natively an Israelite, but she goes and takes her place among them along with her mother-in-law uh, because her mother-in-law has lost her family as well because of ancient customs. But Boaz sees Ruth gleaning out in the fields and he asks about her, you know, whose damsel is this? In some ways that's kind of like, you know, asking your friend to go and check somebody out or find out something. Well, but I think he, he was just showing curiosity. Yeah, actually. at that point, he he doesn't know who she is, and so he's trying to find out. And and then she asks, uh, uh, she asks, uh, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued from morning until now, and she tarried a little in the house. And then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. So he's saying, don't go somewhere else. Come, come here and dine at my table, so to speak. Come here and work in my field. And then Boaz says later, uh, Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean among the sheaves and reproach her not and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her. So let some of the good stuff fall off the wagon for Ruth to pick up. And this reminds me a little bit of a, I don't want to be crass, but of a guy buying a girl a drink in a bar or, you know, and having it sent over. Waiter, please take that girl over there. My, and, and I actually have a cousin who used to do this at restaurants. Uh, you know, he would always check for the wedding ring, but if he saw a beautiful woman, he might buy her a dessert and have it sent over. So this is the Bible version of that. <laughs> so this is the Bible version of that, I think. But in a, in a way, um, you know, Boaz is letting Ruth know that he cares about her and that he is taking a special interest in her. And so anyway, the, there comes a time when Naomi, the mother-in-law and Ruth have this conversation 
And the mother-in-law, as is typical of moms, gives her a little motherly advice. And she says to Ruth, wash thyself therefore and anoint thee, you know, with oil and perfume and so on, and put thy raiment upon thee and get down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. So wait till after he's had dinner, but go down there attractively dressed and with perfume on and so on, bathed and washed. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. And thou shalt go in and uncover his feet, take the blanket off of his feet and lay down. And he will tell thee what thou shalt do. This is kind of forward, especially in biblical times. Go in where this man is sleeping and lie down by him and uncover his feet and snuggle with him, basically. And Ruth says, all that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And so she went down and did all of the things that her mother-in-law had told her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight, the man was afraid. I guess he woke up, maybe because his feet were cold. I don't know. And turned himself and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. So she's saying, share, share your blanket with me. And listen to what Boaz said. He said, blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. Boaz was much older than Ruth. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Then toward the end of the chapter, he says, but still don't tell anybody that you spent the night with me. <laughs> and of course, there might be a little deception in that, but I, I think um, what Naomi was telling Ruth in our modern vernacular is show Boaz how you feel about him. Tell him uh, that you care. And of course, Boaz said she was virtuous and that everyone knew it, uh, that there wasn't anything improper about what she did, although somebody could have read that into it. It seemed reciprocal because he yes. took the risk first in showing interest and then she responded by risking herself. Right, and then he he let her know your your love will be requited, I will... And, and of course, they they ultimately married each other. And so what do I want you to take from this story? There's a lot of great things in the book of Ruth that we haven't talked about. But I think in terms of creating and maintaining a love relationship, we're talking about being honest about your feelings and not, you know, and, and not playing games, not trying to calculate things and work around things to, to trick the other person into taking the risk first or. Right. Approach dating with respect for yourself and for your dating partners 
and enter it with fair play, being authentic and being who you are, and you'll play more together and have more fun. I, I completely agree with that. We're thankful to you for showing up in, and uh, listening to this podcast. We hope it's been uh, enlightening and giving you some things to think about. And like Ruth and Boaz as mid-singles, remember any time is the right time for more love in your life. Thank you so much for listening to Love in Later Years, and we'll catch you next time. Subscribe to LilyPod to get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, share with those you love. For more information about our organization and services, visit loveinlateryears.com.